Welcome to the Virgin Diabetic Podcast. My name is Denise Panzers, diabetes and holistic lifestyle coach. Type 2 diabetes is a disease that plagues over 115 million in the U.S. and hundreds of millions worldwide. I was one of those unlucky people to be diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and prescribed medication with four daily insulin shots. I was devastated. I realized, contrary to what everyone told me, I could reverse my diabetes, and my happy day was when I eliminated all medication and insulin and regained my health. Join me on this journey to learn and gain insight on reversing the effects of your diabetes. Hi, everyone. I am so pleased today to be reaching across the globe over to Australia. And uh, I know you seem so far away, but thankfully with video, we feel like we're right next door to each other. I've got Sally Ann Piss, who actually has worked in the health field for about 30 years. And she is experienced as a practitioner, a researcher, manager. She's an accredited practicing dietitian, mindfulness practitioner, and an author. And she's a health and well-being presenter for the new Feisty, Fabulous, and 50-plus community radio program and podcast. Now, just a little bit on Sally Ann. She founded Eating For You, an online business to help women reclaim themselves and their lives through mindful eating and living, which we are going to chat about today. Now, the Eating For You approach is based on scientific research, Eastern nutrition, and of course, we have to pepper in Sally Ann's own experience of transitioning from dieting to mindful eating. And she realized that healthy eating really was not meant to be so hard. So we will talk a little bit about her emotional eating triggers checklist as well. So Sally Ann, I'm so happy that we got to connect today. I know it's pretty early for you, but you look wonderful and you sound full of pep and energy. So I think we're going to have a wonderful conversation. So welcome and thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Denise. I'm just really excited to be here as well. The early start has been worth it so far, so and I'm sure it will be. Continue that way. <laughs> it will. It will. Hey, once you're up, that's half the battle, right? Getting up early once we're up. Yeah, yeah. But tell me a little bit, um, Sally Ann, um, what actually drove you to go down this path, especially the the piece on mindful eating? Okay. Yeah, it's really interesting. I should start at the beginning, but I always want to start somewhere in the middle. When I finished high school, I didn't go to university straight away. And I had been working for about two years and I started thinking about working in health. And at that time, I could have gone into exercise science or I could have gone into nutrition and I was interested in the psychological aspects of health as well. I chose nutrition, obviously, and I'm really pleased I did because I feel like it sits now in the middle of everything we do. We know that sleep impacts on how we eat, how we eat impacts on how we sleep. Exercise and nutrition have a strong relationship. And we also know now, you know, about the gut brain connection. So not only does nutrition impact on how we feel, we know that how we feel impacts on how we eat. So there's this lovely two-way relationship with, you know, food and nutrition right in the middle there. 
At the time I chose to go to university, I had had my own issues with eating and I summarise it this way, you know, why did I ever go on that first diet? But really it was like you kind of grew up in Australia and I think unfortunately it's still the same, you know, generations, you know, beyond me, is that you think the right way of eating is going on a diet. So it's kind of like somehow once you leave childhood, teenage years, you can then go on a diet. So it was very much that culture of following someone else's rules for yourself. And so that was sort of their thinking, you know, this is awful. This is just a horrible experience. I don't like it for myself. And, you know, I want to be able to help other people avoid going through this. So that's kind of how it all began, because I'm happy to explore any of that further. And then I realized in my 20s, having, you know, graduated as a dietitian, having worked for a few years, that it wasn't just about having food knowledge or nutrition knowledge. There was more going on with our decisions around food. And it comes down to our relationship with food or these food rules that we've grown up with. But also we often learn perhaps in our childhood and we see others doing it, that food can become a source of comfort. And this became really obvious to me when my brother died suddenly because for the first time I realised two things. One, that I had developed a comfort eating habit to deal with the grief, you know, of this sudden loss. And also how restrictive I had been in the past. It was kind of like... All of those restrictive rules that I had before to eat well had just gone and and they were replaced by this drive to eat for comfort. And it just showed me the extremes of eating, Denise. You know, like on one hand, we can be so restrictive and really monitoring everything we do with the good intent on my behalf to be healthy and, you know, be well nourished. And then we have this emotional side of eating that food can be a source of comfort for us. And so that was a real turning point for me. And it was through a conversation with a friend who was also a dietitian. I thought, right, I've really just got to relook at all of this. And that was quite frightening. You know, at that stage, you know, I'd had four years of university. It was before I had started my master's research. And that's where this whole process of mindfulness began and looking at, well, I've got to get rid of these rules because I can't stick to them anyway. You know, I've got to stop worrying about my weight, because obviously with a comfort eating habit, my clothes weren't fitting anymore. And I've got to forget about that. And it was also another aha moment that, well, maybe I don't even know what my body weight's meant to be because I've been in this restrictive phrase of eating basically since I've been an adult. So how do I know what my natural body weight is? And that was obviously scary and liberating at the same time because I'm thinking, oh, there may not be a magic number for me yet. You know, I've got to find out what that number is. Or as I obviously know now, we have a weight range. You know, we we do fluctuate quite healthily within a range. And um Yeah, so there's been a number of insights along the way in terms of my own experiences plus nutrition knowledge, you know, practicing mindfulness as well. You know, and that's great. And and I love to hear, you know, what starts us down the path, right, of what what we've chose to do in life or I did not 
grow up thinking I wanted to do nutrition. It kind of found me, you know, and, and diabetes. But whatever our reason and, and how we get there, there is something that pushes us in that direction. And I think that the value that you provide folks based on your experiences, plus, you know, all of your training and knowledge, you combine this nice little thing for folks that you get to personalize it, I guess, so, you know, so to speak. And I think that has really been what's missing in the diet world. And I used to have an aunt when I was a child, every Monday she said, okay, I'm starting a new diet on Monday. So I'm going to enjoy myself over the weekend. And I, that was like in bread, right? (laughs) Yeah. I've heard the same. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like, okay, maybe not the best, you know, idea. And then of course, as we grow up, foods do change, right? The opportunity to have pre-made foods and all of this has changed that really wasn't like in our grandparents' lives. It was different. So I think you're probably seeing some different health issues as well, you know, through the years you've been doing this for 30 years. One of the things that, and I'm sure you hear this question as well as I do, why did it get to be so difficult? Why did we have to have these rules? Why do we make it so hard? Why do we not realize that eating could be more pleasurable and healthy instead of a fight all the time? Yeah. And look, I think I think there's a couple of things there. The first one, the fact that we got hooked on rules in the first place meant that we got taken away from being able to listen to our own mind and body uh, in terms of what it requires or what we require to feel nourished. And I use the word nourished because I think it brings in all the qualities of food. You know, it is the nutrition. It is the pleasure of eating as well. You know, for hundreds of years, you know, food has been parts of celebrations and, you know, social occasions. So it is something that has that role in our life as well, but it doesn't mean that it has to eclipse the health benefits of food as well. They do come together quite nicely. So I think, first of all, we we were never really taught to tune into our bodies, even on the level of hunger, satiety, fullness. I remember, you know, growing up, all our food was plated for us. We had to eat everything on our plate, regardless of how hungry we were. Okay, so that that's the beginning. And I'm by no means blaming anyone for this. You know, our parents do the best with the knowledge that they have. My parents also grew up in the Depression in Australia, so food was really valuable. You don't waste it. But, you know, my question is, how could they ever know how much I needed to eat? And they couldn't. You know, they they obviously, when I was younger, like before I was able to make some decisions, needed to keep me well-fed and alive. But, you know, once you can start choosing, and that's a cultural difference as well, because I know there are cultures where food is in the middle of the table and you select how much you want yourself. And, you know, when you look at that basic principle, it makes sense. You go, oh, yes, that makes so much sense. But when you haven't grown up that way, you don't realise that. And so even on that level. The other thing I think you raised is really important as well is the availability of food and also the availability of very high fat, high sugar, high salt foods. And that actually has an effect on our physiology but also our mental health. So the types of food 
we eat can also start mixing up some of these messages our body is actually sending us. And we're learning more about this through our gut bacteria as well in terms of the impact that that has on our immune system, our hormonal system. Uh, So that's really important as well. And that's really only been, I'm just trying to think, I finished writing the book in about Oh, yeah, it was 2012. I was doing the last lot of research. And that's when a lot of this information was coming out about the gut bacteria, because before then, we weren't able to actually research the gut bacteria. And so they had methods in place to to look at that. And so, you know, it's only really in the last decade or so, we've really understood, you know, this situation. It's a combination of knowing ourselves, but also knowing how the food we eat is impacting on our mind and body. And, you know, in the case of diabetes, obviously we're getting some results back in terms of blood sugar levels. So we're getting that level of feedback, but we don't see what's happening to our gut bacteria. We don't know whether we're, you know, we're cultivating bacteria that's supporting our mental health or not, but we we do know how we feel. And so I work on it both ways. And through the practice of mindfulness, you can actually start changing how you feel. And even though it can be a little bit challenging at first, by changing how we feel, we change how we eat and that that then impacts on our gut bacteria as well. So it's like a a win-win. We're changing our mind. We're changing our beliefs about ourselves and food. And by doing that, we're choosing foods that nourish us and then support healthy gut bacteria as well, which in turn make us feel better as well. So yeah, it all fits back together. Yeah, it kind of feels like that uh, for a lot of folks, that mouse in the wheel, you don't feel well. And why is it as humans, we want to gravitate to the foods that are going to be the worst for us, the, mm-hmm. for our gut, our mood, our, our mental status at that point in time? I've even done some testing on myself even for <laughs> years. But, you know, how about those stressful situations we get through in life? You know, unfortunately, like, you know, I'm sorry to hear about your brother. That's a huge stress in somebody's life. And so during those times, I will test myself. I'll just eat whatever I kind of think I want. I mean, what's bad for me is not that bad for the average person because I'm still in check but it is bad for me. And then I'll compare and I'll eat everything super healthy. I'll be super mindful of what I'm doing. And the energy levels, even under high stress periods, are still better than when we don't eat foods that we know are going to help us through those times. But for some reason, I think as humans, we just want to have a day or two or a week of let me sabotage myself, you know, <laughs> as much as I can. But I think to me, part of it is we have those human moments. The key is how do you unlock that? And then just make sure you get right back into a good, healthy pattern that you don't stay down too long. Because I think it can be unrealistic if people feel like they could never have a poor me day, you know, when you feel like you need one. Um, But it should be very limited, right? So you should be able to pick yourself up and get those good foods, get the good feelings, the good gut bacteria. One of the questions that a lot of folks have asked along the way, how do I know how much I really should eat? And it sounds like such an easy question. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. And I just want to say too, this is about experimentation as well. And there's an aspect of 
mindfulness that I've really embraced even more so in the last 12 months, sharing women's journey, you know, with their food. And that's the aspect of curiosity. We often think about mindfulness as being present, being aware. We have some sense of no judgment or self-compassion, but there's also this element of curiosity. And that's what allows us to play, to experiment, to say, well, I wonder what would happen if I did this, you know. So it's a conscious choice to experiment like you have, you know, in terms of going for the, you know, the high fat, maybe refined sugar foods, you know, as a pick-me-up when you feel down versus, you know, the whole foods. So what this is about is trying different things. When ladies start working with me, it's about, okay, let's start picking up what hunger feels like for you. And obviously for ladies who have restrictive eating backgrounds, I'm cautious with this because we don't want that to become the focus. You know, it's not about starving yourself. It's not about restriction. It's actually about identifying what your natural hunger, you know, signals feel like, what satiety feels like for you. And what I mean by that is that you're no longer hungry, but you don't feel physically full and you have energy to get on with your day after you have eaten. So it's really about experimentation because I think this is what intermittent fasting, you know, programs have shown us that, you know, for different people starting the day eating at different times works. And I'm not into these set intermittent fasting programs by any means, because again, I think we have to find what we need as individuals. So I would never say to someone only eat between, you know, 10 and four or something like that. You have to find out what your rhythm is. And this is nothing new because when you look at Ayurveda, traditional medicine from India, they are well aware that there's different types of constitutions, different types of physiological ways the body works for different people. And, you know, for some people, several meals or small meals a day works, whereas for others, maybe only two. So that fits into working out your hunger and satiety cycles as well. Yeah. So have fun, be curious, you know, chuck the rules out the window and find out what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. I think now that folks are hearing, there do not have to be any food rules that it really is about tweaking, personalizing it, customizing it. Days that you're more active, what you eat or how much you eat might change. But days like today, I'm sitting behind my computer most of the day my, what I have to eat is going to change based on even my activity level that day. Some people, they might not have enough nutrients and they need to eat a little bit more. You know, years ago, I had a friend of mine who it was a little bit of yogurt and a couple berries for breakfast because she wanted to lose weight. And I'm like, I don't think that's working for you. You've done that for so many years. And we changed up how she started her day. And all of a sudden, 11 pounds just happened to come off in less than 30 days. She's like, I didn't know I needed to eat more. I said, well, for some of your meals, for you, you're going to have to change that up. Not the same for everyone, but it's amazing when we start paying attention. I like when you said that, yes, being mindful, you're going to be present, you're going to be aware, but we've lost that level of curiosity. And I think with you bringing that element back in allows us to have a little bit of that fun 
you know, with food and that maybe we can throw that rule book away and we should be willing to try a few different things here and there, bring it in. How are you on like food and mood journals? Is that something that you think is helpful to folks? Does it depend on who you're working with? I love journaling. And I always have. It's been a practice that I've had in my life for all aspects of my life, not just my health. For other ladies, it's a real challenge and, you know, men as well. But what they give us is an overall picture of what's going on. And what I'm going to share is just one element. I mean, there's many benefits of recording our patterns, whether that be mood, what we're eating, our exercise. But what it gives us, as I said, is that overall view of what's going on. It allows us to track our progress because with this mindful eating approach, non-rules approach, we're not ticking the boxes anymore about, oh, I've had my five vegetables a day, I've reduced my soda or soft drink intake. We're not necessarily just measuring that. We're measuring these eating moments, as I call them, the decisions we make about food, the choices we make when we know we're not hungry, yet we choose not to eat. We go for a walk instead. We call a friend. We read a book. We listen to some music. We have a nice aromatherapy bath. We choose something else that nourishes us rather than food because we know we're not actually hungry. And what the journal gives you is a record of your progress, your success. And that is what gives us motivation. And if we can't track our, you know, our success, it's hard to stay motivated. You know, we can get inspired by what other people do, but by recognizing what we do well, that's what gives us our motivation. And having worked intensely with, you know, groups of ladies uh, the last few years, we're so good at identifying what we do wrong or that bad. You're right. You're right. But they're the things that decrease our motivation. So it's refocusing on the things that we do well. That is what's going to give us the motivation. That's what keeps us going. That's what gives us the confidence. It makes us smile. You know, I just smile about it when, you know, because I think I'm thinking about ladies who have gone on this journey who would say, oh, you know, this happened and that happened. And I said, well, tell me about this situation. Oh, well, you know, rather than eating the whole block of chocolate, I had two squares. I said, yes. <laughs> you know, Progress. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But we overlook it. So the practice of mindfulness, again, gets us to look at the big picture. It doesn't tell us to ignore the things that we can improve, but it also doesn't tell us to ignore the things that we do well. It's look at everything. Yeah, more holistic kind of a, a view, just like we should be looking at our overall health. As you mentioned in the beginning, the the food, the exercise, the our mental care, right? Mm-hmm. What soothes us. Um, so we're not eating things that we know we really don't want to eat and feed really what's going on. It's not always feeding our stomachs. So that's a definitely a huge point. Um, before we have to wrap up, one, I want to make sure people know what your website is and what is that? Yes, it's eatingforyou.com.au and that's full words, eatingforyou.com.au. Okay, so let's not forget to put the .au at the end of that when you're searching for Sally Ann. Um, and if you wanted to share like one last good, easy thought for folks about mindful eating, what would that be? 
Yeah, look, I think get in touch with what triggers your eating. And that's how my eating triggers checklist came about. It shows you some of the reasons for eating that you may not realize are a barrier for you. And you can find the eating triggers checklist at eatingchecklist.com. It has its own website because I thought it would be easier to find. So that's eatingchecklist.com. And no AU at the end of that. No AU with that one? No. (laughs) Okay. Just want to clarify for everybody, make sure we get everybody to the right spot for that. So I love this. I'm completely aligned with where you are on mindful eating and what that should mean for us. And I really hope that today people are literally hearing that don't expect to go out and get a list of food handed to you to say, this is what will work for you. If somebody does that, you need to do a little more research. You need to be working on foods that are for you. Would you not agree? <laughs> oh, definitely. And that's why, you know, eating for you, you know, that, that business name came about because it's eating perfect as individuals. And just on that point, you know, even foods that are nourishing, it's the right amount for us as well. And I love what you shared earlier is that on days that we're more active, we need to eat more. So we're going to have more to eat. On days like I will have today at my desk as well, um, I won't be as hungry. I'm not going to eat as much. So that's another food rule I think we can let go of as well, that we need the same amount every day. Good. That's a great thing for us to finish up on. So I think really, Sally, and you made this perfectly easy. I love your calming voice. I, mm-hmm. I, I love that. You don't make me feel frenzied, like I have to go change what I'm eating. It really is. It's a process. It's a journey. And I love the fact that you're helping women on that journey because sometimes we need a little bit extra help to get us through things. So um, again, your website for folks to look for you is? Eating for you.com.au. Perfect. So I hope everyone goes and follows up and checks out Sally Ann Pisk. And Sally Ann, it was such a pleasure chatting with you today. I wish we had a little more time. Maybe we do another session one day. We'll, we'll focus on something and definitely, you know, hope that we can keep in touch. I know we're miles away, but through the internet, it certainly makes it so much easier these days. Yeah, no, I've loved being here and uh, I do hope that, you know, your audience, your community has got value today. I think they have. So again, Sally Ann, thank you so much. And I look forward to connecting with you very soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. New episodes are released on the first and third Wednesday each month. For more information or a free consultation, visit ReverseMyDiabetes.net. Follow me on Instagram, The Virgin Diabetic, and on Facebook, Reverse My Diabetes. I wish you the best of health.